Welcome to the second episode of Eastcast about Belarus. My name is Anna Shachov and I'm joined by Hanna Decker. Today we will talk about media freedom, access to information in Belarus and the involvement of Belarus in the war in Ukraine. Our guest today is journalist Mitsir Mitskevich. He works for Belsat TV and is a research fellow at Belarus Security Blog, which is the only think tank dealing with issues of Belarusian national security and defense. He specializes in information warfare, propaganda and international relations. Hello, Mr. Mitskevich. Thank you for taking the time today. It is great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me here. To give some background information, for almost 30 years, Belarus has been under an authoritarian regime led by Alexander Lukashenko. After the 2020 rigid presidential elections, people started to mobilize for protests. Meanwhile, the Belarusian government has restricted freedom of speech and access to media more and more through measures such as censorship and declaring certain media as extremist. Belarus has now been ranked among one of the least free countries concerning press freedom. This leads us to the following question. How can Belarusians currently access independent media? <clears throat> of course, uh, almost uh, all, uh, um, not almost, but all uh, independent media websites are banned in Belarus. Uh, if we speak about traditional media, so they almost have no access to Belarusian media market and uh, people in Belarus. So the only uh, actually possibility to uh, read and to access uh, Belarusian independent media are uh, social networks. And at the same time, there are also websites because uh, Belarusians know how to use VPN, for example, If we take the situation of the protests in 2020, uh, that time, uh, Belarus uh, just in two days went up in the world rating of Psyphone users, and uh, Belarus now ranks uh, second in the number of Psyphone users in the world, just after, the, uh, after Iran. And the point is that uh, there are almost uh, even more than 2 million Psyphone users in Belarus which means actually that it is uh, uh, around 20% of all population. So you can imagine how big number it is. And at the same time, uh, people you use different uh, ways to access information. They use YouTube, they use uh, Telegram, uh, they use different other social networks. But here we should underline the role of Telegram, which is uh, rising every year because this is not only the mean of dissemination information, this is the mean of uh, getting information, obtaining it from uh, different sources. Because, for example, here we're in Belsat, we also get uh, a lot of information from people from different parts of Belarus, uh, because from Telegram, because Telegram allows people to uh, send information to independent media and not being tracked down by the regime, by their special services, because it uh, kills all metadata so uh, it's impossible to tell who have sent you this or that file or this or that picture. For example, if something happens, uh, independent media just ask people to send the pictures or you know just reports of uh, what happened. And uh, for example, they ask people for personal opinion on this and that. And uh, people usually uh, reply very fast and you can get uh, information what you want. The point is that I personally get uh, many things like that. And uh, for example, many uh, journalist investigations are based on the This kind of information when uh, people from different state enterprises or even from uh, state services from state institutions uh, sent uh, pictures or documents or something uh, for example <clears throat> 
for example, uh, there are cyber partisans in Belarus, mm -hmm. and they also get uh, a lot of information from uh, different people, and they also uh, break into this Lukashenko regime networks. And for example, they also created a special map, which is called blackmap.org. Black and the point is that this is a map uh, where you can track down all the uh, uh, regime criminals who um, uh, committed crimes against the people of Belarus and who are uh, continuing to uh, repress Belarusian people. So this is a very interesting thing that now uh, this um, modern means of uh, getting information and selling information uh, makes it uh, completely impossible for the regime to, uh, you know, to break down the uh, uh, people, uh, people's defense and like, you know, people's uh, diplomacy, how uh, people communicate with each other. So uh, this uh, social networks and this kind of media allow people to have this uh, horizontal connections and uh, which mean very, very much uh, for them and also for the media as well. Because uh, now, for example, we see that uh, the reactions, the reactions of people uh, for, to different materials and different articles or TV programs. Because, uh, for example, we uh, mostly rely on YouTube, of course, because we are television. So we mostly uh, with these kind of platforms. Mm -hmm. But still, uh, as you see, for example, from our name. Uh, we're called Belsat, which is Sat uh, is for satellite, and we're also available on satellite. And people in Belarus are watching us uh, via that, and it's impossible just to ban that or to do anything about that. So uh, that's why it is really important to find new ways how to get to people. But also at the same time, there are underground newspapers in Belarus which are disseminated uh, by volunteers in different districts, uh, for example, of the capital of the country and uh, even in small towns. So these are non-profit underground uh, media which are still existing. And uh, of course the regime is trying to combat them. They're arresting people. They, for example, are banning the chats of houses. For example, it's uh, even if you uh, if you have a chat in your house, uh, you can be uh, you know accused of uh, extremism or something like that. Mm -hmm. So and put into prison. Uh, so the regime is trying to destroy these kind of connections of people. But uh, I, I tell you that uh, in this modern time and uh, in this part of Europe, it is completely impossible because people uh, invent different other ways how to communicate, how to get information, how to combat that regime here and there. And with regards to the uh, growing amount of censorship in Belarus, can Belarusian citizens still differentiate between real and fake information? Um, the point is that mainly uh, I would say that yes, uh, because at the moment there are many uh, projects that are deal with uh, no, like, you know, to, uh, fighting disinformation, fighting fake news and telling uh, what what is right and what is wrong and this fact-checking thing. Uh, for example, uh, we in our TV channel have a special TV program which is called uh, Lukavia Novosti, uh, which is dealing with this uh, fake news and uh, it is a weekly issue which is telling, you know, the most... Uh, like rigorous things uh, and rigorous fakes uh, by uh, Lukashenko propaganda and uh, trying to uh, break this down and to show uh, what the real situation is. So uh, the point is that uh, it's uh, not only the level of uh, uh, 
uh, state propaganda, but it's also the level of uh, trust of people to the state and to any anything that state does. Because at the moment we see that uh, this trust is extremely low. So there is, of course, there, re there is a core of uh, Lukashenko supporters, but it's not so really wide. We can say that it, it is maximum, you know, 20% of people, uh, but it, it's not more than that. Uh, all the other people just know and uh, what is really happening because people still, as I've previously said, communicate with each other. And at the same time, uh, it is necessary to underline that uh, uh, people just don't trust what the authorities say because people are, you know, they just got used that the authorities are lying all the time. The, the Lukashenko regime is lying, so they don't believe a single word, uh, a single word. And it, it is just as versa. For example, if they hear that Lukashenko is telling that something will happen or some uh, yeah that something will happen they clearly know that this won't happen and if Lukashenko is telling that there will be no uh, like devaluation of uh, Belarusian currency people clearly know that it's high time to go to the currency exchange and buy the foreign currency because there will be devaluation 100% so that's why uh, this really the trust to the authorities and to, to state institutions is extremely low, and especially against the background of this uh, disintegration of the state system that we're observing now, because these state institutions are uh, disintegrating. They have uh, they really have staff shortages. They don't have any possibility to meet the requirements of people, and that's why they uh, continue to lose this trust, and that's why people don't want to uh, trust the authorities and they don't want to uh, they, they don't feel that the uh, regime can give any guarantees and any proofs to something mm -hmm. um in regards to the war as you mentioned as the cyber partisans but we also wanted to ask how do people in general feel about the war is there a lot of support is there a lot of opposition yeah the citizens how do they feel about it it is necessary to say that uh, in the first days of war, uh, Belarusians, uh, firstly, they started uh, mass protest against the war. And uh, even in this uh, time where the repressions are extremely bad, and when the people are detained and they're tortured in this uh, Lukashenko regime prisons, so this, they're just literally tortured. And the point is that uh, uh, at the same time, people also organized uh, uh, the resistance uh, to this war and to uh, the Lukashenko regime. For example, uh, people tried to uh, break down the, the railway communication and um, uh, some people were detained. But the point is that uh, around 30 uh, this uh, mach machiner uh, pieces of machinery that is responsible for automatic communication on uh, railway uh, was broke down. And the point is that uh, it, it was a big blow on uh, Russian military moving to Ukraine from the territory of Belarus. So this is the, you know, the direct resistance. At the same time, cyber partisans attacked the railway, uh, which uh, also was really a big blow on that. And uh, for, for example, for two days, uh, for, for two weeks, uh, there was uh, no access to the service of uh, electronic uh, ticket selling. So the point is uh, that uh, also cyber partisans got access to some parts of Belarusian railway and uh, everything what is happening in Belarus at the moment is reported to special monitoring groups that uh, provide this information to Ukraine. 
The point is that uh, Belarusians are doing everything possible. Uh, they're doing acts of sabotage. They uh, give the intelligence information to Ukraine, and uh, Belarusians are against this war and against this Russian aggression. Belarusian people are also fighting uh, along Ukrainians in Ukrainian armed forces. We have, uh, for example, at the moment, we have uh, three Belarusian uh, regiments fighting uh, in Ukraine. And these are people from Belarus, you know, that uh, also, and some of them lived in Europe. So they just uh, decided to go to Ukraine and fight along them. And because uh, we understand that it's our common war, it's our common struggle against uh, Russian monster, against uh, uh, Kremlin occupants. So we know that uh, we have to deal with that and we have to help Ukrainians. Uh, here, for example, in Warsaw, we also have a recruitment center of Kuskalinovsky uh, regiment, uh, Belarusian regiment fighting in Ukraine uh, against the uh, Russian invaders. And uh, <clears throat> many people will come there and there are many volunteers so uh, many volunteers, Belarusians, still are in Ukraine and working for Ukraine. So this is really a, a big support. And at the same time, uh, many Belarusians donate to special foundations that uh, buy different equipment to Ukrainian and Belarusian soldiers who are fighting against Russian invaders. So uh, we can say that the support of uh, uh, either uh, of both Belarusian society and Belarusian opposition, political opposition, I mean political leaders who are trying to make all possible pressure on Lukashenko regime from abroad, so is uh, existing and is growing, growing and growing. So this is our common goal to, you know, to win in this war and to bring down this Lukashenko regime in Belarus and uh, Kremlin regime in Russia. Um, and you already also mentioned the Belarusian opposition and Ilana Tsikhanovskaya, just uh, the members of the European Parliament last year in October, mm -hmm. arguing that they shouldn't forget Belarus in light of the war, saying that peace in Europe starts with free Belarus. And we wanted to ask, how do you think can the West, most importantly, more support Belarusian, the Belarusian opposition or the Belarusian in general, the people, the citizens? And maybe are they doing enough? Is there something more that they can do? Uh, the point is, that from my uh, from my opinion, the West is already doing many things. You know, the, uh, I'm really grateful for all the support that we get at the moment. Uh, but you know, it's a stra strategical issue. So the point is that we should understand that uh, with uh, this kind of Russia, you know, with this kind of situation in the world, it is just impossible to give Russia its, you know, to have its influence all over Europe. So it's impossible to give Russia possibilities to execute pressure on Europe. So that's why free Belarus is really very important. Just, you know, if we open the map, we see. So, uh, and uh, we should just remember that uh, even in 2020, all the Belarusian opposition talked that uh, there is no uh, safe Ukraine possible until there is Lukashenko regime in Belarus. Everyone was telling that. But, you know, we were not hurt at this time. But after that, what happened? Happened the attack on Kyiv and happened the, uh, the war crimes, and which are terrible, Bucha which would not have happened if the West would be more uh, consequent, uh, consecutive and which West would have been more uh, strong in 2020 on pressure in Lukashenko regime. 
and on giving support to Belarusian people. I'm not here speaking about uh, any political initiatives, any political opposition, just uh, about supporting Belarusian people and seeing the strategical future of uh, cooperation in Eastern Europe. Because from my point of view, this is extremely important to have uh, safe Eastern Europe, to have this uh, conglomerate of states, which will be possible to cooperate in our region uh, freely, independently and peacefully in order to have this sustainable development here, which is really important for, you know, for everyone in Europe, because everyone in Europe wants peace, everyone in Europe wants uh, stability and everyone in Europe wants predictability. And Lukashenko regime and the guys like him uh, don't give nothing of that. They don't if they are unpredictable, they're not peaceful, and they're unstable. So, which is you know uh, impossible to speak about any strategic perspective and uh, future at all. So, from my point of view, it's really important to uh, have a vision what we do next and uh, to. Call the things, you know, as for me as a journalist, it is extremely important to call the things its names, which we see now that Belarus is occupied by a Russian state. We should say that, that Belarus is an occupied state now. And that Lukashenko regimes decide nothing about, about uh, foreign policy, about national security defense and things like that. We should speak like that. We should, you know, clearly say what we want. We should clearly, uh, you know, see our perspective and just work on that. And that's it. You know, I'm don't speaking here about any political views or uh, or any, uh, you know, political like parties or things like that. I'm here speaking only about uh, cooperation with uh, usual people and supporting the civil society because uh, supporting changes in Belarus means, uh, you know friendly, another friendly and big partner for European Union and possibility to uh, deter Russia to uh, in her borders from aggression on Ukraine and from going farther to the West, which Russia definitely wants. So it's, that's it. And from my point of view, it is extremely important to articulate this now and to work on this now to uh, win in this war, because this is the first thing we should do, win in this war but do everything to isolate Lukashenko and Putin regimes from the other world. So hardcore sanctions and uh, full support to people who are fighting against both Lukashenko and Putin regimes and uh, to the fighters uh, in Ukraine. From my point of view, these are the things that are terribly and extremely important now, which uh, is really essential for our common future. That's it. Okay, so on a, on a final note, what do you think the future holds for Belarus, not only regarding the war, but also long term? Uh, you know, I'm an optimist. Uh, I really believe in, in, the, uh, in the better. Uh, I know that it will be extremely bad uh, for Belarus. It will be a really extremely bad time for Belarus in the near future, because we see that the Lukashenko regime is deteriorating and the, uh, there is a disintegration of different state systems, so they're not performing uh, different functions we, which are really essential for uh, the people living. So uh, it will be really bad for usual people in Belarus. Uh, I suppose that maybe uh, there will be also uh, some military action on the territory of Belarus, 
because we know that uh, Putin regime is completely crazy and they, are, uh, they can do anything to uh, complete their goals. So uh, I suppose that uh, you know, we can also see war. But uh, finally, as you know, at the end, I see that uh, Belarus uh, will be free. It will be freed from Lukashenko regime and from Russian occupation. It will be Belarusian, so it will be, uh, you know, this uh, war and this uh, uh, hardcore repression and this, uh, uh, like, you know, ongoing uh, crackdown on everything national will uh, give Belarusians, like, you know, another inspiration for uh, national renaissance. And uh, I see that uh, there will be a big rise of Belarusian culture and Belarusian language in the future. And uh, I definitely see that our country will be one of the leading ones in uh, Eastern Europe, at least. Because even in this uh, time, we have uh, things we Belarusians uh, create, things that, are, uh, that we can be proud of, and both technologically and culturally. So um, I would like to say that we have a big potential and that we'll be living in a, uh, like a free, uh, free Eastern Europe, yeah, free Europe at all, and uh, cooperating with uh, our neighbors and work to get working together on uh, different common projects and uh, we have different kinds of uh, international projects, both uh, this uh, Intermarium and European Union and maybe NATO as well, because I believe that uh, Belarus will finally come back, uh, and here it is necessary to underline to come back to its uh, European heritage, because uh, to my opinion and to opinion of uh, uh, historians, you know, the borders of Belarus are borders of uh, the eastern border of Belarus is the eastern border of uh, European culture. So that's why we're uh, so, uh, like, you know, we're so committed to this idea of uh, European Belarus and uh, European culture and uh, our common European future. Okay, thank you very, very much for all your insights today. And yeah, thank you for taking the time and being here with us today. Um, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> This was EastCast. Thank you for tuning in. You can find this and more episodes on all the main podcast platforms.